Hello, and welcome to Stacia Adjacent, a podcast at the intersection of analog and digital productivity. I'm Justin Twyford, and joined as always by my friend and co-host, Stu Lennon. Hey, Stu. How are you today? I'm in fine fettle, thank you, Mr. Twyford. How the devil are you? How is Canada? Cold, I'd imagine. It is very cold today, Stu. It's minus 11 this morning. Burr. That's properly cold. I didn't even know there was a minus at 11, you know? That's <laughs> properly cold. I took out the garbage and the dog this morning. The garbage didn't complain too much, but the dog ran straight out. Didn't even turn around. She normally has a sniff and a, a little bit of a circular walk, a twirl, if you like, until she finds a perfect spot to pee. Um, she dropped, squatted, peed, and ran back to the door in no time. <laughs> so maybe there's some advantage to this. I wasn't out there for 10 minutes watching the dog pee. But. Oh, there you go. Smart dog. Smart dog. <laughs> well, it's not that cold here, but we've had, we've had some weather. We've had a bit of rain knocking about the place and. Um, that's, uh, Cypriot houses are, are generally speaking, not really watertight. You, you have to spend quite a few years repairing leaks as they appear. And thus far this winter, he said, touching as much wood as he could find, uh, we're doing okay. We haven't got any leaks. We've got a heating system that works. Mm -hmm. Uh, so all, all is well in my world. It's, uh, well, Christmas is coming, Justin, isn't it? Christmas is coming. Okay, so I do want to know, because I've heard you talk about this before, what duvet are you on to at the moment? Uh, we're on, I think we're, we're still on, uh, no, we're not on the light light. I think we're on the medium now. I think we're on, we, we've still got the big guns in reserve. Mm. Okay, that's that's the January freeze, is it? Yeah, but, and also we've got a slight adjustment this year in that we have a Jack Russell um, who is very, very intent on staying on the bed. And so he, he adds a certain degree of warmth to the whole thing. I'm not sure we'll, we'll need a third duvet with him, uh, doing his thing. Mm. Does he kick you out of bed? Uh, yeah, he is quite possessive about bed and he sort of, he straightens his legs and braces his back against you. Um, he's, uh, yeah, hmm. he's, a, he's a tricky wee thing. I mean, I, I don't have the heart to throw him out of bed to be honest. Um, as long as he doesn't disturb uh, the current Mrs. Lennon too much, then he gets away with it. Uh, occasionally he pushes against her um, and gets growled at, quite literally. <laughs> when, when Mrs. Lennon growls, the Jack Russell listens. Wow. Yeah, see, your dog is, well, I'm not sure if he's smarter or uh, just a little less manipulative than mine. Mine has to sleep in the bed. If you put her down, she just barks all night. <laughs> she has to be there. Uh, she has to have water next to the bed and what she does in the middle of the night, when she's thirsty, she goes up to my wife and she jumps with both of her front paws onto my wife's leg as a sign that, Hey, get up and feed me water. Well, thank you. Are. And my wife does this without complaining too much. Um, yeah. I'm not sure it'd work with the current mistake. It'd probably work on me. I'm a pushover, but mm -hmm. uh, there you are. The problem that I have is that my legs have about three inches on the side of the bed before they fall out mm -hmm. because a 16 pound dog is incredible for taking up all of the space where my legs go to sleep and you can't move her. She's just incredible. She just pushes against you with her back until mm -hmm. all of a sudden I'm sleeping on my side and I have like 
hey, uh, you, you roll over in the middle of the night and your feet fall off. It's a very weird thing. Yeah, no, I mean, Charlie sleeps higher out of the bed. I try and put him down at the feet, but no, he, he's got to be sort of back up between our backs. So I, I've got a similar situation. I sort of cling to the edge of the bed with my fingernails and just try and keep my weight sort of tilted towards the center of the bed. I'm sure I'll fall out in the next day or two. Ah, don't you love dogs? Mm-hmm. Hey, you know what I love almost as much as dogs? I don't know what you love almost as much as dogs, though. I, I love Apple's HomePods and AirPods. Oh my Jesus, Murphy. Your complaints about HomePods, I've been getting so frustrated. I guess, you know, it's, it's that time where everything gets updated. Uh, all the point releases have come out and my AirPods are, are just crazy. I was sitting at my computer the other day. Um, I had to take my wife into the hospital for an appointment. So I went to a Starbucks near there and had my laptop, had my phone, listened to a podcast. Yeah, you know how you do. And I had my AirPods on and my AirPods. Basically I'd open my laptop, I press a key and they stopped working and I pressed play on the phone again and it stopped working as soon as I pressed again, the laptop, it is such a pain to turn off auto switching. Mm -hmm. I don't want AirPods to go anywhere unless I'm telling them connect. I walk past my TV upstairs when the wife's watching something, she's on the couch and all of a sudden she gets this big notification because we use Apple TV. Hey, Justin's AirPods are right here. I said, I don't want to see that. I don't want to do that. And to change them, you actually have to connect to it, then go into the settings of each AirPod and tell it, don't connect automatically. Your choices are mm -hmm. not don't connect until I tell you. It's don't connect automatically or connect if this was the last device that it was connected to. Mm -hmm. Why is it so difficult? I don't know, but I, I have had the same, the same problem. I'll be honest. Um, it is, it is, oh, it's complicated, isn't it? It is as bad as the home pods. I, I think Apple just does not like the word pod anymore or their Bluetooth connections are beyond hope at this point, beyond hope. <laughs> well, I've, I've got some follow-up as well. Uh, and this is, um, it's, it's listener feedback from, uh, Jamie Dunn. Um, I don't know if, I don't know if I've shared this with you. This is in a note that we share, but you may not have got to it yet. Um, and Jamie has subscribed to, um, stuartlander.com. So thank you very much for that, Jamie. Uh, and he wrote me a lovely note, part of which I shall read to you now, Justin. It says, yourself, TJ and the mighty Justin are steady points on the compass that really helped me through the last 18 months. So thank you. Oh, that is lovely. Thank you, Jamie. Isn't that nice? Yeah. And, and he works in an animal hospital. So as far as I'm concerned, he's, well, he's, he's, he's on the side of the angels. Definitely. Clearly. Definitely. I don't know if I could do that though, Stu. Oh no. Animal hospital. My, my house would look like a zoo. <laughs> Anybody that was abandoned and needed a home. I, I, yeah, I'm too much of a softy for that. Yeah, me too. I mean, when, when, um, you know, we had the unfortunate, uh, events with Nero, um, for about, I suppose 10 days, two weeks, I was effectively an unpaid nurse down in the, um, in the, the veterinary surgery and 
I mean, I, I found it incredibly difficult, but my, my wife looked at me and she said, you, if we watch, um, if we watch a TV show with, you know, surgery on it, I'm, I'm, I've got my hands over my eyes. I'm squeamish. I, I, I can't do all that blood stuff. Um, I was assisting in operations, sort of holding, holding bits of animal together with blood everywhere. And Mark was going, how do you do that? Oh. You're, you're absolutely squeamish. And I said, because it's an animal and it needs me. <laughs> I can't afford to, to, to be all wimpy about the whole thing. I, I, I don't know. Just a, a switch was flicked, which I suppose was a, a learning experience, wasn't it? It's good. It's good to learn. Yeah. I would not have called that a learning experience. I got a lot of other <laughs> words for it, but uh, none of those I could say on a podcast. No, let's not dwell on it either. Or else I'll get all teary on you. Well, I mean, in terms of Apple, I, I got really optimistic because 15.2 came out. Um, and then the various other numbers for all the other operating systems, but there was a home pod update. Ah. So I thought, okay, I mean, perhaps they're, this is them getting on top of airplay. I mean, I, I maintain that this is all to do with that remote control feature that is now not coming. That's what's causing all this, um, this grief, I think. But, um, I updated everything, uh, the iOS devices, the Macs, the home pods. I thought, okay, here we go. Oh, I, I rebooted everything, obviously redid the routers, the whole, the whole nine yards. And then everything was perfect. Airplay was working really well. Uh, I was getting good stereo, but both the stereo pair were working at the same time, Justin. Um, wow. And then, then the, the stereo, stereo pair, pair went, went out, out of, of sync, sync, <laughs> which is about as annoying as that just sounded. <laughs> and it was actually when I was listening to our last episode of station readjustment, I was like, oh. This is some sort of karmic thing that's going on here. Uh, maybe it was an editing glitch on my side, Stu. Don't blame this, the uh, pods. <laughs> You've managed to fool me again. Dang it. <laughs> and yeah, the other one I wanted to mention was uh, I've been reading, uh, or I've read now, in fact, 4,000 Weeks by uh, Oliver Berkman, which I, I think I mentioned before. Yeah, that was when you were doing your calculation, your morbid calculation of how many you have left. That's it. Yeah. It's the, the average lifespan. I absolutely love that book. I thought it was brilliant. Oh, really? Okay. And, um, I think the, the guys on bookworm are going to, I think it's their next book. So whether it will get out just before Christmas or just after, I'm not sure, but they're going to be reviewing it. And I have a feeling that Mr. Schmitz is going to hate it. <laughs> I, I don't know that. I just, he said something on the last episode, but I was, I was walking quite hard at the time. So I'm not sure I really got it, but I think he sort of intimated that there were some, he had some thoughts and he said it in that sort of menacing way. So uh, that'd be really interesting. I'm, I much prefer it when, when there's a little bit of contention between my view and other people's views, I think you get more out of that. So, um, yeah, I, I would heartily recommend that everybody read it. It's really well written. Um, it's an easy read. Uh, it's not terribly long and it's, um, it's a British guy who lives in the States. So you've got a really nice mix of styles there and it's, well, it's not the usual view that one gets on productivity. Mm. So yeah, have a read of that. It's fabulous. It's downloading to my Kindle as we speak. 
I think you'll really enjoy it. Um, I'm not necessarily sure you'll agree with it all, but I think you'll enjoy it. That's half the fun, isn't it? Having a debate about stuff. Have you ever noticed this podcast costs us money, Stu? Oh, every podcast costs money. Listening to them, uh, speaking on them, just it's this never-ending experiment. But it's things to broaden the mind. Just mm. we're, we're spending money to broaden the mind. Better than wasting it on Apple stuff that doesn't work properly. Well, broaden the mind and uh, grow the the wardrobe. In my case, ah, my friends at Cotton Bureau. Oh my gosh, Getting so much work for me this uh, Christmas season. Okay, well, I've I've only got a little thing coming from them, and it will take forever to get here. So I'm I'm not holding my breath. I was so impressed. I got the new upgrade T-shirt and hoodie, and the hoodie is lined, and it's actually perfect for living in a cold climate. So I'm so happy that it is a different one than I have got for all my other podcast hoodies. Okay, well there you go. You see that a, a hoodie is a is a sweater that you zip up. Put it, you know. Just in case you've never seen one of these things in Cyprus. <laughs> well, I do have an ATP one on the way. <laughs> uh, and I am I am quite fond of a hoodie, I have to say. Although, as you as you allude, it's, you don't get much wear out of one over here. Um, just for a couple of months, really. But still. I'm guessing you did not get the ATP woolen knit hat to keep your head. No. <laughs> Again, I do have several of those because... Um, I, I do a lot of walking and, um, I used to do a lot of walking in cold climates, but, um, yeah, again, sort of for about half an hour in the morning, if I'm walking the dogs before golf, that's probably the only time it gets worn. And again, only for a couple of months. Mm. Well, when you have as much hair as I do, which is none, you wear one of those all year round. <laughs> well, there you go. Oh, wardrobe sorted. All right, let's talk about tools of the week because otherwise oh, yeah. we're going to okay. be completely off topic. Well, tools of the week. Well, I've I've already bored you to death with this one, so um, I will I'll spare the listener most of it. But I have an oven that is intermittently faulty. Intermittently, insofar as whenever I bring a tradesman to look at it, it works perfectly, and then when the tradesman leaves, it immediately starts malfunctioning. And when it malfunctions, it turns the electricity off in the entire house forcing me to go outside, sometimes in the rain, to the main switch and flick it on, at which point the whole electricity goes off again. And then I have to go to three different fuse boards, turn all of the fuses off, go back, turn the mains on, then turn each fuse on individually by the power of my iPhone torchlight. That's efficient. Yes, and that is... In fairness, that's the least of my problems. The, the major problem is that I am married to an Italian who is looking at the prospect of Christmas with no oven. My my life is currently not worth living, Justin. So I, I've listened to all the expert opinions of the various tradesmen, uh, and as I as I put as I put it in the show note, I have now engaged scary fat man mode, um, and said, "Right, you." Change that, change this, change that. You rewire this, rewire that, and rewire this. Tradesmen, assemble. And they're all jumping up and down and doing things that are probably entirely redundant. But look, what can you do? I'm, I'm trying to employ logic and say, well, if it's not this piece, then it must be that piece. And if it's not that piece, you know, just trying to eliminate every single cause. And so we get to the point where we go, do you know what? 
the oven's no good. Bring me a new oven. Um, but the chances of that happening between now and Christmas, pretty slim. So my outdoor grill, there will be me wearing every hoodie I own, probably standing in front of it. You know, I don't know, shouting at a turkey. Cook, cook, dang you, cook. Must be something in a kitchen appliances. We got a brand new set of kitchen appliances last week. And I installed the brand new dishwasher, which was a pain because, well, how do I say this nicely? My wife and the salesperson picked out all of our appliances and never a tape measure in sight. The dishwasher didn't fit under the counter, which called for a sawzall and a reciprocating saw. I just, I was all over the place with tools, chisels, basically cutting holes in cabinets to get things to fit. Everything fit. I was so proud of myself. I was so tired. My knees ached because I was kneeling on the hard tile kitchen floor. Got it all in. I was so proud of myself and it leaks. <laughs> Which is the reason we got the new one in the first place, because the old one leaked. Uh, so my plan for this weekend is to uninstall everything and figure out what is leaking and why and what I have to do to fix it. But, oh my gosh. Very, very depressing. Yeah, I mean, in fairness, we, we are both suffering from proper first world problems here, aren't we? Um, <laughs> One of my desperately, terribly expensive appliances isn't working. Dash it. Yes. Uh, do you know Do you know what my uh, terribly privileged first world problem solution is at the moment that is so inconvenient? And no, mm. washing dishes by hand is not actually an option. <laughs> uh, I, take, I take it down to one of the other two dishwashers in this stupid house. Oh, well, of course you do. I mean, I mean who doesn't have three dishwashers in a house, Justin? Uh, but, you know, I do have to walk downstairs with dishes. So, oh. uh, you know, the inconvenience, it gives me the motivation to fix this one. Well, that's how I'm sure that the listeners are suffering with you, Justin. Yes. First world problems. Uh, more than anything, though, uh, Mrs. T's new kitchen does not work up to her expectation. Mm, and that, yeah, therefore, yeah. means the essence of the problem. Yeah, I can see you. Now I'm beginning to understand. Mrs. L is very similar when it comes to kitchens. We're both in the same boat to a certain extent. The problem is not the problem. The problem is the perception of the problem by the current Mrs. in the equation. Very much so. I do have a an idea for a tool of the week, and I, I just got this the other day, and I, I'm, I'm looking at how to do this. I think this is really a brilliant idea. The idea is a skills journal. And this is stolen from Jason DeFilippo, who does the Grumpy Old Geeks podcast, a GOG jot show. Uh, and he started a Substack newsletter called The Pivoteer for people that start in one career and then try something different because none of us have ever done that before. A great little newsletter. He's just started up recently. But one thing that he talked about was he set up a skills journal. And what he does is he makes a point of learning something from the day, every day. And at the end of the day, he goes and writes it down in his, he catalogs it basically. And I thought this is absolutely brilliant because how many days do we lose 
where we perhaps learn something, but we don't record it in a way that is meaningful. Takes me back to field notes. I'm not writing it down to remember it later. I'm writing it down to remember it now. Mm-hmm. And I thought this was a really good way to challenge myself. I'm going to look at how to bring this in next year to find one thing per day that is new to me and a way to document it in a way that's useful. Very good. Do you do anything like that now, Stu? Um, it's one of the questions that I ask myself when I'm journaling. Yeah. Um, what did I learn? Mm. Um, uh, but it's recorded in a sort of, you know, free formy journaly sort of way rather than anything sort of categorized that you could, you know, perhaps look back on easily. It's, you know, mm. it, it, with my, much of the stuff that I do, it's, it's sort of just in a free form and the chance of me finding it again are, well, slim. <laughs> I'm actually looking at this and wondering, have I finally found my perfect use case? For obsidian yeah yep yeah, no, no, that would be very very good for it because you could link and yeah there'd be a whole load of stuff you could do there uh, that's kind of what i'm thinking this might be you know if even if the learning is you know today it's professional uh tomorrow it's technology the day after that it's uh you know how to part my hair oh never mind i don't need that anymore <laughs> the idea of having some way to link those together is really enticing to me very good. Well, perhaps we'll touch back on it because I've been been noodling around in Obsidian as well with a sort of uh, a, a systems pivot, if I could borrow a couple of words from your your chat there, um, which I, I, certainly I think will interest you and might interest the listener. And it's really about going all in on analog. Mm, that's something that maybe we can touch back on. But uh, yeah, really interesting sort of thought process going on at the moment. Cool. Cool. What are you writing with today? Uh, well, I've, I've two pens. Well, I've got three on the go. I always have three. Um, so I've got my pocket, um, the Kaweco Bruiser. Uh, that's still doing sterling service. And then I um, I was feeling nostalgic about Nero. So uh, I had a pen made uh, called the Nero. Um, it's by a company called Rockster, uh, rockstapens.com, who... Um, that's the brand of a fellow called Ash, um, who's a very nice guy, lives in Wales, uh, has a schnauzer, so he's got to be a good guy, uh, called Rocky. Uh, and when uh, I lost Nero, uh, we just got chatting, and um, I ended up getting commissioning a pen to sort of remember him by. So Nero was a pure black uh, schnauzer, which is relatively unusual. And he used to wear a Help for Heroes collar so help for heroes is a charity for veterans mm. uh, and it's um very distinctive colors it's the colors of the three armed services in the united kingdom so you have navy blue uh and then you have army red and you have air force blue and those are three sort of very distinct colors my father was in the air force so I've, I've lived around the military all my life so these things kind of speak to me anyway um and so that's a little collar on the pen uh, and it, it's pure black ebonite that the pen is made of. Um, and it has a book number six in black. Uh, so it's a very nice sort of stealthy, understated pen. People probably wouldn't give it a second look. Um, but I do because I know what it all means. That's lovely. And it's filled with obsidian uh, from Lamy. So yeah, keeping that whole black theme going. 
And it is a lovely pen. I really enjoy it. And it means a lot to me. But it's a stainless steel name. And um, it's becoming apparent to me. <laughs> I'm sure it's been apparent to everyone else for a long time that I'm a pen snob. And I want gold nibs. Really, Stu? Really? I yes. would never have known this. <laughs> Who'd have thunk it? Um, so I uh, also inked up my Sailor 1911, which is the... Um, I've got the yellow version, so yellow with a little black tip and gold trim. It's inked up with Sailor Shikiori, which is a light leaf green sort of um, ink. And it's got a soft, beautiful, uh, I mean, it's it's a broad, I think, but it's a, it's a Japanese broad, so it's a medium to, to my European eye. Um, but it's lovely. It's just so nice to write with particularly on sort of, you know, sheeny paper. So I'm in, mm. I'm in the, uh, the Louis term at the moment. It's just lovely pen. Nice. Just so nice to write with. Yeah. What about you? What are you, uh, what are you brandishing? Well, oh. you know, your, your crusade against uh, steel nib pens. I'm, I'm kind of up there with you. I just bought a brand new pen that's sitting here on my desk. Actually, I'm staring at it and having very, very mixed emotions about it. I do like the Leonardo Memento Zero, and I've had some terrible luck with pens and nibs lately. So I saw the, the new color, Mango Gold. So it's a beautiful orange color with uh, just a, a, a beautiful resin. It's, it's lovely. The coloring of it is, it's not just a plain orange. It's speckled. It's just really, really pretty. And I got that with gold furniture and I got it the other day. It was a, a U.S. purchase on black Friday. So, you know, those, those days where you really shouldn't buy things, you don't need to buy things, but yeah, you just want to. I uh, just got it out of Hawk because I had the Canadian version of Cypriot Customs uh, deciding that this was a problematic pen for some reason. So I had to go and pay a lot of money to get it out of Hawk. And the nib is, well, pooched, I think might be a good word. Screwed up. Um, it is twisted and bent and pushed over to the side. I, I have no idea. It, it's unusable. Basically it is absolutely the worst nib that I have ever seen come out of a brand new pen. So I'm, I'm not sure what to do. I talked to the retailer. They said, of course, send the pen back. We'll fix it and send it back out to you, which of course is going to probably result in another customs charge when it comes back to me again. And I'm having this debate of just sending it back and saying, you know, I'm done with it. Just give me my money back instead. It's not an inexpensive pen. It's a couple of hundred US. So, you know, mm. it's, it's kind of at that price point that I don't want to throw another 40, 50 bucks at it on top of the 40, 50 that I've already spent, you know, and sure, then yeah. sending it back is going to cost me. And I'm just terribly frustrated by it. I'm, I'm not sure what caused this issue, whether somebody dropped it at the factory, whether this is, uh, interference, it could actually be interference with the, uh, inner cap 
because of the way that it's twisted. I'm not ruling that out. I did some measurements the other day and it doesn't seem to be, but you never know. I, I'm just so frustrated with this and I'm so frustrated with with pens and with Yovo nibs at at all at the moment. The last four pens that I purchased, three nibs have been screwed up. And that's just, you know, supply chain constraints or not. That's just taking a lot of the fun out of the hobby for me. For sure, yeah. Can imagine. So because I was frustrated with that and feeling a lot like Stu, I went and picked up a gold nib pen, which is my Pilot 823, which always has uh, Mont Blanc's blue black in it, which I, I just love that pen. It's, it's a gold deluxe pen, you know, mm. it's not this, it's not that it's just in the middle and it's just perfect. Yeah. There's not much wrong with a pilot custom. Yeah. I just, uh, I, as I say, it's frustrating to have so many problems with, with pens. I'm not sure if it's just me. You, you haven't bought a whole lot, uh, though. I think you might've been looking at our graph yesterday. Yeah, no, I've been, um, sort of pretty good about, um, looking at all the things I have, um, it's, it's a sort of minimalist urge, I guess, just looking at the things I have and go, you know, do I need a new one or do I need to perhaps properly explore what I've got? Um, so I do have quite a lot of pens and I have a lot of notebooks and, you know, so I've been sort of actively trying to stop myself, but, uh, in the Nero's no, in the 1857 slack, um, Vanessa was talking about her love for the Raff von Faber Castell uh, classic fountain. So I was, I was like, mm. she was comparing it with Mont Blanc. So, you know, despite all the bad press that Mont Blanc get, I'm I'm quite keen on them. So I was like, wow, if it's up there with Mont Blanc, that's that's quite an accolade. So I had a look um, at, at the ones she was she was talking about. I think they would be too narrow for for my big chubby fingers i would probably not find them that comfortable to write with would be my guess mm. um i'm sure that the quality will be excellent um you know one thing you can normally normally guarantee out of germany is that things will be will be uh proper quality controlled and also yeah i mean there are a chunk of change there when i was looking at cult pens i think they were sort of about 600 euro mark which would be what would that be 750 us something like that so, you know, enough to, uh, to, to make you think twice before buying one. Um, and so, yeah, I just, like you, I pulled out one of my old favorites. I pulled out the, uh, the sailor and just started playing with that and the urge passed, um, much to my wallet's relief. Yes. Yes. Uh, very smart. Lovely. Lovely. All right. Uh, let's talk about holiday traditions. Oh, holiday traditions, eh? Oh. Besides cooking a turkey in a stove that doesn't work. <laughs> uh, well, uh, what, I suppose yours must be all new this year because you're in, you know, the frozen, frozen wastelands. Yeah. So we're, we're recording this just before Christmas. This is, uh, today is the 17th of December and Christmas is coming up. Uh, I'm away from. Most of my old family and friends and up with, uh, sort of my, my in-laws live near here, but, uh, yeah, everything this year is going to be new and that gives some opportunities for new things. It gives some opportunities to reflect on perhaps a little bit of a quiet time. 
you know, what do we get into for traditions between, you know, particularly coming up between Christmas and New Year is quieter time for a lot of people. I, I got to say though, Stu, this is a very, very interesting town. I'm not sure what it's like uh, where, where you're from. People go crazy here for Christmas. And maybe it's just because it looks like Christmas. Mm. The whole town is lit up. Almost everybody, apart from me, has Christmas lights on the outside of their houses. I know you've got lots of those. Yes, I certainly do. For the first time, I have to say. The town actually lights up. They've got this whole shop local thing. All the, we have a main street here. One main street down the middle of the town. It's very, very odd. But it's beautifully lit up. All the trees are lit up. It's very Christmassy. At the end of the main street, it's a beautiful little coffee shop. And right above it, there is a baby Jesus in a manger, which is the oddest thing for me to see. I've lived in a fairly metropolitan city for the last about well, 30 odd years. And I'm not used to this much traditional Christmas you know, from, let's say, a white Anglo-Saxon uh, Protestant sort of way of having, you know, the baby Jesus there. And it is just the oddest thing to see in the town. Uh, there are three mangers that I have seen set up from people's displays, which, again, just kind of blows me away. The town itself arranges a drive uh, on a Saturday night Starts in one place, ends in a different place where you get to drive around and look at all the houses that are lit up. And as you're driving along, people are out there playing music, waving, passing out candies to the passersby. It's, it's just very Christmassy. So there's a lot of good stuff coming up for Christmas, but yeah. Yeah. Sounds lovely. Yeah. It's, it's, it's quaint, I think is the way to put it. Just, uh, after coming from a big, a big city that's very multicultural and, you know, Happy holidays is much more common than Merry Christmas nowadays to a place that is very much Christmas is here. You know, there's one house on my drive home that has a big full-size Santa sitting on his roof next to his fireplace. Mm -hmm. What's it like in Cyprus? It's like in Cyprus. Uh, well, traditionally in Cyprus, Christmas has been a sort of secondary uh, holiday. So Easter is a big thing in the Greek Orthodox Church, which is the predominant religion here. Mm. Cypriots get very, very involved with Easter. They, they really, really do celebrate that big style. Um, it's a sort of, it's a blend between Thanksgiving and Christmas, if you like. Mm. And Christmas was always quite low key and the Greek Orthodox calendar differs slightly from the, um, well, sort of the Roman Catholic Christian calendar, if you like. However, the entire world works on the whole sort of Christmas is the 25th of December thing so uh it's all a bit undefined you're never entirely sure which particular christmas you're you're supposed to be celebrating but you know gradually it's it's taking the whole sort of coca-cola red and white branding uh santa's wearing the big you know uh the big cloak and all that jazz so they're, they're getting into it there's more lights now than i think i've ever seen i don't know if that's in part reaction to the pandemic but uh there does seem to be a sort of stronger engagement with it a lot of cypriots um have traveled extensively in europe now and you know have family in the uk and there's a uh, there's a lot of sort of british tradition coming in or sort of 
European tradition coming in, Northern European perhaps. So yeah, there's a lot of places we've got lights up. Um, the our sort of village office, which is just up the road, has got a big display outside with a, with a boat. Curiously, well, I don't know what a boat would be there, but there you go. And um, the pharmacy has gone gone absolutely to town. We've got a new pharmacy quite close, and yeah, they've got you know sort of waterfalls of lights. Uh, and for the first time, yes, we've got sort of fairy lights all the way along the balcony and. I've made a little grotto at the back, which is going to serve me well while I'm standing there freezing, trying to cook a turkey in a grill. Yeah, it's it's weird. I mean, for us, this will be our one, two, three, third, I suppose, third Christmas um, living out here. The first one, um, regrettably, was dominated by having you know just recently lost uh, Nero, and then um, I don't know if you can hear her in the background, Spice who is currently, uh, I think a cat walked by about a mile and a half away. And so she's just barking aggressively at the garden and we just got her. So I was, I was standing outside in the rain, trying to try and sort of puppy drain her. And then last year was the, the sort of COVID Christmas, I suppose. Uh, and this year is going to be another COVID Christmas. So it's going to be pretty low key, I think by law. Um, so every day things are tightening up here, um, because of the uh, the variant Omicron. So yeah, it's going to be. Um, I try and lean into it because actually, this is the sort of tradition that I I tried to get us into in the UK, which was taking a long walk on Christmas morning. You know, in in the cold. Um, it won't be that cold here, but you know, believe me, it, you don't go for a long walk when it's minus eleven out. No, I guess not. Um, but you know, in, in the UK, it's usually going to be, you know, somewhere between sort of minus two to, I guess, eight degrees, somewhere around there. Uh, so, you know, you can put a coat on and some gloves and get out there. It's beautiful and crisp. It's, it's usually a really nice day. So I, um, I guess I'm getting old, but I just wanted that, um, sort of pensive approach to Christmas and, uh, you know, I suppose like many people, Margaret and I sort of forget to talk to each other sometimes. <laughs> we sort of live together and, you know, there's the whole sort of just mechanics of life. Mm. And I just thought, you know, it's a great time to go out for a walk together rather than, you know, her instructing me to go out and walk the dogs. You know, maybe we could all go together and sort of, you know, have some fun. She doesn't like walking with me. I don't like walking with her generally because, <laughs> um, you know, I walk much faster and you know, all this stuff. But here what are we planning on doing i don't think we'll be doing much mixing but um i suppose the our traditions are a sort of blend of mine and a blend of margaret's now margaret comes from an italian family so um for her christmas is largely about family um and i mean huge gatherings and i mean i remember the first christmas i spent with her and her family you sit down, oh, I guess, oh, sort of late afternoon on Christmas Eve, mm -hmm. uh, and then you're at table for I don't know, eight, nine hours, maybe. Um, I mean, obviously, you can get up. <laughs> you can go, you go use the bathroom and stuff. Um, and it was always in, in that, it would be one of her sisters that we would, we would be visiting. 
and there would be at least two TVs on in the room. Um, and Italians like to be able to hear the TV, but then they also like to speak over the TV. <laughs> and um, Italians are um, they don't believe in in in. I don't know about you. I've got this old-fashioned view of conversation, which is you know one person says something, the other responds, and and you know repeat as necessary. The Italian version is everybody at full volume at the same time. And it is, I mean, it's brilliant. I mean, it is joy. The, the joy is um, everybody is laughing. Nobody knows at what, but everybody is laughing, uh, passing each other drinks. I mean, for me, it's great because there's all sorts of exotic things to drink, all amazing food. Um, and I'm very popular with Italian cooks because they, they put stuff in front of me and I eat it and say, yes, I'll have more. <laughs> you can stay, you can come back. Um, and then on the 25th, you do it all again. Um, but you start a bit earlier on the 25th and, um, then the 26th, you do it all again. You may have a change of venue across these days, but, uh, the, the personnel will be the same. And it's just, I, I love to eat and I love to drink, but, Good Lord, by the end of boxing, I'm, I'm a beaten man. Ooh. Because Margaret's family were all immigrants into the UK. So they face those difficult decisions, I guess, of um, Italian traditions on the 24th are to eat a lot of fish. So there's a lot of um, fried fish, uh, bacala, which is salted cod. And of course, all the usual sort of amazing Italian food that just always appears. But on the 25th, um, they weren't sure really whether to be, to be English or Italian. So they did the only thing that any self-respecting Italian could do. And this is true in the United States as well, that, that it became both. So having sort of sat at a table snacking and drinking, you know, Prosecco or champagne, um, I will then get served a starter, you know, which might be, I don't know, some melone with prosciutto or something like that. So, Oh, this is amazing. And then I get a massive slap of lasagna. Boom. Oh, <laughs> right. Okay. So I, I plow on through that. By this stage, I'm probably on red wine to try and help me get through the food. And then uh, an entire British Christmas dinner arrives with all the trimmings. <laughs> so that will be three types of meat with about 45 vegetables and all sorts of weird stuff that you only ever eat on Christmas Day. A bread sauce. I mean, it's like weird, wacky stuff. But anyway, it's a massive plate of food. And then it's, well, should we have, you know, English desserts or Italian? No, let's have three of each. Oh my gosh. And it's just, oh, I'm literally, I'm sitting there going, please stop feeding me, please. <laughs> By this stage, I'm drinking neat spirits in the hope that that might dissolve the food that is blocking up my various orifices. And it's, oh, it's wonderful. I'm guessing you're not wearing your skinny jeans on Christmas. <laughs> not for long, no. Um, I mean, it, like I say, it goes on for hours and you sit around laughing. To it and it's great, great fun. Mm. But yeah, uh, I suppose as a response to that, when, when Margaret and I moved away from London, it was like, maybe we should, you know, just, just have a little bit more low key. Let, let's maybe not eat. How about that? Um, do you have any family in Cyprus? No, not at all. No. So we have, you know, we have a circle of friends, um, people that I've known for a long time who live in the village. Um, and the sort of, 
I suppose, transient expat community. There's, you know, there's people that I play golf with, there's people Margaret works with. But as I say, COVID is really going to clip everybody's wings again this year, I think. So oh, yeah. it will be very low key for us. Yeah. Our 25th tradition is uh, I cook, which is scary enough. Um, so I cook breakfast. Um, and uh, I like to have, this is, there's no way of saying this isn't going to sound like an entirely privileged, well, I suppose I am an entirely privileged. Uh, so I like to have um, smoked salmon and uh, scrambled eggs for breakfast <laughs> with, uh, not every day. With a little bit of caviar on the side, shall we? Oh, yes. Yes, of course. Well done. Well spotted. Uh, and uh, very good champagne. So we, uh, this all came from when Margaret and I were courting or dating, as one might say in, in the States. Uh, she said to me, I don't like champagne. And I said, no, 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 no. That's impossible. You just haven't drunk the right one yet. Um, and so I had a reasonable knowledge of her tastes at that time. And so I made some, some calculations and some guesses and I introduced her to Laurent Perrier Rosé Champagne. Ooh, nice. Or Rosé as well. Which was a very sensible thing to do because my business partner's dad was the chairman of Laurent Perrier, which <laughs> helped uh, on, on the supply side. Uh, and yeah, I mean, LP is, is not the cheapest of champagnes, but it is lovely. And uh, yes, we, we one memorable evening, we got through a couple of bottles uh, and that was, that was her hooked. So that's what we have on, on a Sunday. Lovely. Uh, on a Sunday, sorry, on a Christmas day. <laughs> It could be a Sunday too. At uh, you know, hey, well, yes, I suppose. To one, doesn't it? Why After not? After a couple of uh, bottles of uh, champagne, hey, it's it's a fun day. It could be any day of the week. Uh, yes, absolutely. There's quite a lot of sleeping after that. And then, yeah, I guess what we're going to eat this year. I think we were planning on just having some some uh, some pastel forno, probably lasagna, uh, with the obvious problem that we now don't have a forno. Um, so, <laughs> unless I'm prepared to cook that on the grill. Um, we're gonna have to do some replanning, I think. Mm. Um, what about you? What's gonna be the uh, what's gonna be the rock and roll Canadian Christmas gonna be like? I mean, what do you have? Canadian lobster, bear, or something? Probably no. The Christmas has always been an interesting thing for us, and certainly looking at traditions is a is an odd one. My Christmas changes every year. We don't have a lot of routines. The main reason for the longest time, my daughter used to go to her biological dad's for one of the Christmas. So one year she'd be with us for Christmas Eve. Mm -hmm. The next year she'd be with us for Christmas uh, Day. Sure. And that sort of changed things. We would plan our days around what Caleb was doing, uh, which was, uh, you know, one of those things that you have to deal with with a blended family. Sure. Um, and so that sort of changes, you know, the things, because if, uh, your daughter's not around, well, my wife will sleep in and nobody will bother opening presents until she comes back at lunchtime, Sure, you know, because she spent the night and Christmas Eve at the other families. So, uh, that's, that's a little different, uh, this year she's with us, uh, out here. So it's, it's going to be a, a whole different scenario. I'm hoping her Christmas gift, which I ordered for Black Friday, uh, is coming next week because otherwise it's going to be a very, very lean Christmas for the poor kid. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we 
we didn't didn't really do a lot. Uh, we do see family, but there's a, there's an old joke, and the old joke goes something like, "How do you know you have a vegan at your Christmas party?" Don't worry, they'll tell you. Mm -hmm. And the quickest way to get well uninvited to Christmas or have people make other plans is be the vegan in a family. Usually we will meet people not for dinner, but for something else. This year we're going to go up to my wife's brother's, uh, house, which is ironically about a four minute drive from where we are. Uh, but in order to do that, we have to cook our own food and take it up there because they're doing a traditional Christmas dinner, which is all the stuff in an oven that hopefully Stu will be able to do on his grill. <laughs> so, um, are you, your daughter and your wife, all vegan? My daughter is not, uh, my wife and I are, we will eat occasionally some eggs, um, mm -hmm. a little bit of milk if it's in things, but you know, so we're, we're actually vegetarian rather than vegan, but trying to explain to people what we eat, because I, I have some very weird um, dietary things. I don't eat onions and I don't eat garlic stew. Good Lord, man. Why on earth not? I, well, that's a whole different, uh, story. Uh, how do you keep the, how do you keep the vampires at bay? Yeah. Well, that's it. Um, it's, it's a whole different topic of conversation that you and I'll have to get into one day of why I don't eat that, uh, mm. uh sort of, um, uh, some of my history, uh, following some uh, yoga studies and uh, Ayurvedic uh, medicine and you're a vampire. That's what you're telling me, Justin, you're a vampire, isn't it? Pretty much. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, trying to get people to cook for me with all of my weird needs is very, very tough. And that does mean that when we do get together at Christmas, it's not usually about the family food. I, I would probably be the guy that starves at an Italian, uh, Italian Christmas. Oh, no, no, nobody starves at an Italian Christmas. I mean, if, if you're not full, the offense is such, you'd probably just be executed. Mm, yeah. yeah. So we're, we're going to do a little bit of a family thing. Uh, I have no friends up here. I, that sounds so terrible, but it's kind of true. Uh, we, we moved, uh, 450 kilometers roughly from all of my friends. So there's not even any Christmas parties or anything like that. Uh, COVID notwithstanding. Mm. Weren't you careless enough to, to be born around about Christmas as well? Ah, uh, yes. Well, this is, my, this is my other problem. So I, I can tell you the, the horrible thing, and I'm going to regret saying this too. Do you know how I got my name? Mm, uh, no, I was a week early. So I was supposed to be born the week after Christmas and I was supposed to be a girl. And I apparently came early and was not a girl. So my family had not actually got a boy's name picked out. My grandmother walks in and said, oh, he's just in time for Christmas. And there you go. There you go. So yes, uh, officially, as far as I'm concerned, Christmas does not start until the 21st, the day after my birthday. <laughs> Cause I'm crabby and I got, I got screwed over growing up with Anybody that has a birthday that is close to Christmas is going to know exactly what I'm talking about. And the rest of you guys that don't, um, well, you were just lucky growing up. Oh, listen, I've, I can, I can up you on this. My mother's birthday 
take a wild stab at that. Uh, New Year's or Christmas? Yeah, January 1st. Oh, yes. No no hangovers allowed in my house on the 1st of January. Mm. Yep. Yeah, no. So the, the problem growing up was that your parents would always look at you and say, well, we'll just get you something bigger for Christmas. And mm-hmm. my birthday was always, oh, it, was, it was a non-event because Christmas was the event. And, and I grew up resenting this because, you know, I saw all my friends that had birthdays in the summer. Well, they got bikes for their birthdays as well as all the same stuff as I did for Christmas. Uh-huh. You know, a very, very materialistic approach to life. But uh, <laughs> my birthday was uh, always sort of an afterthought. You know, it was the thing that got rolled into Christmas. So as soon as I became an adult and I was a very, very young adult at this, I decided I am never going to work another birthday in my life. So no matter what my day, my birthday date is, I refuse to work. I take the day off work and I have never done that in my adult life. And I don't intend to start anytime soon. So guess who's not working on Monday. Uh, I'm going to take a wild stab in the dark. You're not working. I make a point of well, spoiling myself. The, the day is special to me. It doesn't have to be a big family event. It doesn't have to be a big party. I just take one day out of the year just for myself. And that's sort of my little treat to myself. It's my way of uh, giving a big middle finger at my parents for all those years of ignoring my birthday and saying, you know, I'm going to do it myself. I love to sit down and watch movies. I'm a big movie guy. I used to be a big movie guy. I'm old now and all of this CGI stuff just doesn't feel like a movie. Well, I, I think we can make you a new tradition, Justin. I've got, I've got a proposal for you. Uh-oh. I'm, I think going forward from the year 2022, you should mimic our monarch. Well, your monarch as well, in fairness. Her Majesty the Queen, who has two birthdays. So, so there's your birth birthday, which I think you can maintain that as a little private day for yourself, a day where you invest in, in those things that interest you and look after you, take the day off. And then perhaps an official birthday that we could put, I don't know, perhaps in July or something, and, and, and you can get your wife to buy you a bike. And, and all, all the things that you missed out in those early years. And, and that will be the Twyford official birthday. Um, if it comes with a bike, I don't want it. I don't think the bike's obligatory. I mean, we could probably go to a case of wine. How does that sound? Oh, that sounds much more along my lines. <laughs> a bike sounds like a lot of work. But indeed. Unless I've got a V-twin between the frame, uh, I'm just not interested in biking. <laughs> okay. Well, I was just thinking, you know, maybe that, you know, that those lost bikes of your childhood. No, not interested in the bikes. No, case of wine it is then. Mm. Noted. Yeah, so uh, yes, definitely. Uh, my birthday is going to be a quiet one. Uh, the last few years, maybe the last, I don't know how old I am, but last maybe 15 years, I've taken to watching Lord of the Rings. Before that, it was Star Wars, binging them, watching them all day, and just sitting on my butt and doing nothing. And uh-huh. uh, that's a lovely day when you can get to do that. I forget Christmas. Sure. I, are you guys doing anything socially? I know COVID. Well, how's COVID over there? Because over here, uh, cases, daily cases have basically tripled mm-hmm. in three days. 
Yeah, I mean, the um, it won't be new to anybody by the time that this this goes out, but the new variant, um, Omicron, uh, doubles every uh, couple of days. Um, now, obviously, when, when you're testing, you're testing a tiny percentage of the population, so you don't see the full impact. But uh, yeah, everybody's going to have a lot of COVID on their hands. Uh, but hopefully, um, a milder variant. That's That's what the hope is. Although, um, I would stress that the data isn't necessarily saying that just yet although it is leaning that way so um what have we had planned i think there was there was talk of maybe um a sort of informal evening just um a few few groups of friends i think we were going to get together at someone's house um and uh, you know probably drinks and nibbles mm, nice um we are lucky in that it's it's easy enough to sort of ventilate here you know you, you can open a few windows and for for one night a year have the heating on full blast and the windows open why not i was certainly gonna have some friends over for lunch in our sort of outdoory ghetto-y bit where i've got, got my lights um just so I can use the lights. And I was, I've got a, I've got a few barbecue units. So I was going to put one down at the end of the table and have it as a sort of, um, a little fire. Um, just, just have some wood burning in that. Nice. And then cook on one of the other ones. Uh, but yeah, quite sort of probably quite low key food, you know, maybe just gather around a couple of bottles of wine and, um, have a little bit of a laugh. And, uh, as, as it starts getting darker, then, you know, everybody will retreat to their homes because, uh, winter is so short here, people tend to just sort of you know, hibernate. <laughs> just like, okay, no, it's not really, really sunny and lovely, but fine, I'm staying in bed. Um, well, that sounds like me, but uh, I think that's from like October to probably April. Yeah, no, I mean, like I say, we can sit outside and have lunch. Um, we still got good enough weather for that. It was 17, 18 degrees today. It's only really January that, and and even then, we're not on the coast. I mean, we're at five hundred meters elevation. So, um, where Margaret works nearer the coast, it was you know twenty plus degrees. Um, but yeah, she's just been sent home from school. Somebody in her class tested positive. Oh no! Um, so uh, she's now on a sort of strict regime. She had to have a rapid test, and then she's got to have um, the PCR test in I think tomorrow, and blah blah blah. So, yeah, it's it's all sort of panic stations here, and a lot of my friends are getting on a bit, you know, in their sort of uh, late sixties, early seventies. Uh, so they're very high risk, um, and they you know they tend to shut up shop. So I think that's kind of what we'll be doing, but that's okay. It's all right, you know. We can we can all hook up again in March and and party when hopefully the the virus will be on the retreat. Do you have any fixed plans in place? No, uh, we're. Again, looking at COVID, uh, wife with chemotherapy, um, mm. we have to be very careful at the best of times, you know, for colds and flu and anything like sure. that. So certainly we're been extremely careful. I was planning on going back to the coast, but I think I talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Uh, there was some big flooding washed out the mm, transport. So I can't even get to the coast officially. Uh, I think next week there will be an exemption, but it's probably like an eight hour drive instead of a four hour drive through curvy switchback. Uh, I'm going to try and put that off uh, for a little bit until we get uh, back to more normal stuff. 
which, you know, may not be till, till the spring at least. Uh, so, you know, no, no Christmas parties to, well, avoid making a fool of myself at, even though I think I'm a little old for that now. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I can still manage it. I think put me in front of a bottle of wine and well, anything can happen. Oh yes. Well, we, we were all young once <laughs> things were a little different there from what they are today. Uh, sensibilities and all the rest of that. Yeah. I think it's going to be a pretty quiet one for me. And, that, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, for myself, I really want to spend some time. I don't have a lot of time off this year. I blew a lot of my time during the move because the whole move, packing, gum packing, moving, uh, I used a lot of my, my annual leave then. So I, I'm, I think I'm working between Christmas and new year. But it'll be a little bit quieter and I'm hoping to get some time just to really reflect on the year. And I think we're going to talk about it on the next uh, show, sort of how we're approaching next year, New Year's, whether we do resolutions and goals and all of that planning process. Mm -hmm. Right now, you know, one of the things that I need to do, and, and we've talked about this privately, is I'm very much in the mode of reflecting on the year and I really want to pull out some positives out of this year. I had, you know, from COVID to a unexpected move, uh, the beginning of the year, I had no intention of moving houses and a series of events led me to the point where I am sitting, freezing my butt off in a place where I have no friends, uh, as such. And COVID, very difficult to make new ones. Uh, virtual friends are, you know, one thing, but you know, the real life thing is quite different here. Sure. I've got a wife that developed cancer. We've had some other personal challenges in the family this year. This, this is a lot of negative if you want to focus on that. And one of my things that I'm very much focused on at the moment is looking back and looking for the positives. They're there. They're just a little bit harder to find sure. than the obvious big things that have, you know, if you get kicked where it hurts, uh, you remember that very quickly. Mm -hmm. So I, I really want to spend some time pulling the joy out of the year, pulling the positives out and using those as the tools and the, the building blocks for next year for, for where I want to go next year. And, and that's, that's a little tough for me at the moment. It's something that I'm going to have to work at. Uh, it's, it's not as quick and easy as other years. So that, that's kind of my goal over Christmas is to do that. And then cr between Christmas and new year, really sort of focus on looking forward and seeing where am I going to go and how am I going to get there? Yeah. I mean, I think it's uh it's a really useful process to go through. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's a stoic, um, discipline to, to, um, what do they, what do they call it? When you envisage had the worst happened, mm. what, what could have been worse than, than what happened? And it, it does that weird sort of comparative thing and makes you go, actually, I'm quite grateful that the challenges I had were those that I had rather than what I could have had in the worst case scenario. And it, it in that sort of weird way that we humans work makes you feel a bit better about them and, and more grateful for what at first glance would appear to be unpleasant things. Um, and that's what I tried to do with, with Margaret's, uh, injuries and illness and, and stuff was like, you know, 
hell, it could have been something entirely worse and I could have not had all the problems that I had. Mm-hmm. And so that, that kind of worked for me. Um, but also, you know, I think there's, there's a lot to be said for just being really straightforward and honest and go, yep, that was crap. <laughs> but the good thing about crap is that the only way is up and, you know, just, you know, finding that humor in the situation and, and the resilience that you've shown because, you know, it's, you know, it's no mean, mean feat to take all these things on and, and just keep on going. But you do occasionally have to, you know, give each other a little pat on the back and go, all right, here we go. Let's, let's go again. Let's go again. And things will, will be on the up soon enough. Yeah. They, they certainly have to be right. Yeah. Can't always get worse. (laughs) Uh, they could get worse, but let's not think about that. You know, we want to dwell on, dwell on the positive. How about you, Stu? You getting any time off? You're still doing worky work stuff. Uh, what's your What's your Christmas look like in terms of uh, time to sort of reflect and and what your process is around that? Yeah, so I mean, I I've I've spoken before about you know, the in between days, um, sort of between the two holidays. I I find those really useful to finish off my year planning, I get a little bit reflective, um, because, you know, after the sort of the Christmas festivities, everybody wants a bit of peace from everyone else anyway. Um, and so, yeah, I finish off those plans. I'm, I'm focusing very much this year on being very honest with myself about what I'm going to do next year. That whole, you know, what am I going to stop doing? Worky work wise. Um, the things quietened down enormously uh, this time of year anyway, throw onto that COVID and now travel restrictions that are coming in. Um, for, for many of the things that I'm involved in, they will go very quiet. But the, that, that creates the opportunity really to think about um, what direction I want to go for 2022 and beyond. So again, I try and, and, and turn this into sort of a positive thing of, you know, okay, where, where am I going? What am I going to do? Um, I only have so many weeks, <laughs> so perhaps spend them on things that I want to do. Uh, what are we now? 1498 or something, Stu? Been a couple of weeks <laughs> since you wrote that, uh, that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to keep making, um, predictions. I just, I don't want these to be played upon the anniversary of my death going, and he was wrong. <laughs> um, sorry. Does that, does that mean, uh, the over under bet that I've got with TJ's, uh, going to be a problem? Oh, uh, yeah, if you've betted within the Northern Irishman, you're not going to win, Justin. (laughs) (laughs) It's a fact of life, I'm afraid. Um, But no, so I I really enjoy that in between time. I used to hate it. I I really like it now because I suppose my introvert side is stronger than than it's ever been. But the extrovert me used to love Christmas and, and the whole idea of just seeing all my friends and partying. And I wanted to, that to keep going. And of course, everybody wants a bit of a break between Christmas and New Year. And I was like, well, I'm bored now. Um, but I quite, I lean into that these days. Um, and then, yeah, for, for Hogmanay, which is probably the more important festival for me because I'm a, I'm a heathen um, and um, a Celt. So the New Year is, is a big deal for me for some reason, emotionally. It's always meant more to me um and uh whatever we're doing new year's eve i have um at the striking of of midnight i have a little drink with my dad or just after obviously my dad well not obviously but my dad passed away in more 20 years ago so um i just have a quiet moment where i have a scotch 
Um, you know, usually about quarter past midnight or something, I'll just slink off somewhere and just have a little quiet moment, a little chat with him. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, I, I, I don't know why that happens. I don't know how that happens. It's not as though we would, um, you know, in, in life, did we, we probably didn't see in that many New Year's together. Certainly not when I was drinking anyway. But yeah, for some reason, it just means a lot to me, I suppose, because he's a Scot and uh, we, we both touch our inner Celt in this imagined, <laughs> this imagined thing, I suppose. Um, but yeah, that's it. No real firm plans. I, I think you know, being grateful that thus far, um, COVID's touch upon me and my family has been light. Um, and, you know, fervently hope that that remains the case. Definitely. And yeah, you know, the opportunities of the year to come. Ooh. Wow. Very profound. And cheers to your dad as well. No, thank you. All right. What uh, takeaways have you got, Stu? Uh, what takeaways? I suppose the takeaways for me would be, um, yeah, whatever you're celebrating, um, just just remember that you're the greatest miracle of it all. You know, whether you believe you're a divine creation or just an extraordinary chemical accident, um, it it is incredible. Life is incredible. The planet we live upon is incredible. And here we are at the turn of the year with a, with a chance to, to go again and make next year a little bit better than this year. Keep doing that and you're going to be heading in the right direction. Oh, very nice. What have you got as a takeaway? You know, no matter what uh, holiday traditions you have, the end of December is usually a quieter month, you know, unless you work in retail, in which case you have my profound thanks and also my deepest sympathies. Enjoy the time, the get togethers with your family and friends. But if you can take a rest before the start of the new year, take some time for yourself. And whether that's just quite reflection over the past year, whether it's planning for next year or whether it's just taking a moment to stop and have a pause. This has been another weird year, you know, 20 March, 2020 times. What's that? 20 months now, I think roughly. Yep. Um, you know, it, it seems like we're doing groundhog's day of the same month over and over again. Be kind to yourself, take a break and enjoy. And speaking of breaks, we will be taking one next week. So there won't be a podcast next week. Uh, we wish you all the best holiday, whatever kind of holiday you celebrate. Uh, we'll be back recording between Christmas and New Year. So our, our podcast will be live the 4th of January. So by this time, hopefully you've had a wonderful Christmas break. You've had a wonderful New Year's. If you celebrate such things and you're starting to get productive and thinking back as how 2022 is going to be the best year that you can make it. All right, Stu, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, well, you can find me at stuartlennon.com or you'll find my writing at uh, neurosnotes.co.uk if you want a little bit of a funky stationery. Or you can find me at uh, the 1857 podcast, I suppose, going to a monthly frequency as of next month. Uh, my, my Mondays will never be the same, Stu. Uh, I, I dare say, I dare say, but a change is as good as a rest. Um, or you can find me on Twitter at Stu Lennon. What about you, Justin? Where can people find you? Uh, best place to find me at the moment is my website, justintwyford.com. 
And you can catch me on Twitter, JJ Twyford. That's T-W-Y-F-O-R-D. Please feel free to email us your comments, concerns, complaints, or whatever you feel like. We're good for it. Stationaryadjacent at gmail.com. Please take a moment to like and review us on your podcast catcher of choice. And we certainly appreciate your recommendations to friends and colleagues. As we talked about next time, we're going to talk about what we do for New Year's planning. Until then, goodbye and stay productive. Yes, us.